But it's very interesting because what happens a lot in social media is the pictures of photographers just gets taken and reused and reused and reused. And there's no real, you don't really, like, unless you put that photographer's uh, watermark, which a lot of photographers do so that people know who made that picture. As people see that, that photographer's uh, watermark, then the photographer kind of, you don't, they don't get the recognition for their work. So it's like, at least if you sell the NFT of that beautiful picture you have and you sell it to somebody, now you can finally make money off of it. And I think it all comes back down to how much value we put into this stuff. Welcome back to Beyond Culture, where the podcast that attempts to bridge the gap between culture and politics. I'm your host, Abel. In this episode, my co-host Ivan and I will be covering all things regarding consumer tech and Silicon Valley. We discuss how companies like Apple have created an ecosystem that has urged competition and innovation in the tech world. We also look at the rise in popularity of short-form videos and apps like TikTok, which utilize algorithms to cater feeds to consumers. Finally, we touch on the recent cryptocurrency and NFT craze and the future of these digital markets. Take a listen. Welcome back to Beyond Culture. I'm your host, Ivan. I'm here with my co-host, Abel. Hello, hello, hello. Just came off the NBA episode, a very crowded episode. It's always nice to not have such a crowded Zoom <laughs> with so many people. But yeah, we're back. Uh, we'll be talking today about like tech, Bitcoin, crypto, NFTs, and all that good stuff. Uh, I think it's going to be a really good topic because I have a lot of opinions on different things because I, like, I started investing like a few few months ago or whatever, but I never got into investing into crypto because that's just not me. You know, I like to invest in real assets. No shade to the crypto guys, <laughs> but I I'm more I don't know I don't know I don't do the crypto, but I I like to look at it from 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 afar. But it's been it's just seeing this wild ride from a guy who's more in the stock market and not really into the crypto market has been very interesting so so yeah i'm actually excited to get into this topic yeah man like uh honestly obviously we're not expert uh in this like i you know i invested in uh crypto a while back but it wasn't like considerable like you know like it was like less it was just a few hundred dollars and i just wanted to know to see what it's like you know and just you know, invest in something and try to see if I can learn, you know, because there's a difference when you're actually uh, playing with your real money, you know. So, but uh, yeah, but crypto is interesting. And we like a few episodes back, just before the break, you know, uh, we had Christian Perez on the show. Um, and I think, you know, you guys talked about crypto and he's more... Um, He's more knowledgeable about that stuff and more knowledgeable about like investment, investing, you know, in markets and stuff. But, you know, but for me, I wanted to talk about crypto, but more so in, you know, with its impact on our society and, you know, with the lens of the political rather than just the technical. And, uh, yeah, man, it's been a, like, it's been, crazy a crazy couple of weeks in in the crypto world because first of all crypto was like going i believe it was like skirting some 
uh, all time highs, you know, like Bitcoin was, uh, over $60,000 at some point, you know, and like you felt like, who this, you know, people felt like, oh man, crypto is on the rise, you know, it's like to use the like internet terminology, it's, it's going to the moon, you know. <laughs> to the moon, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know, going to the moon, yeah, man, and you know, and in the past couple of weeks, it's been, cr- it's coming down hard, you know, and something that started this whole thing is that, you know, so if you go back a couple of months ago, uh, Elon Musk, who's the CEO of uh, Tesla, the car manufacturing, the electric electric car manufacturing company uh, he said that uh tesla was going to start accepting bitcoin as a valid form as a valid currency to sell teslas like to buy teslas and he also announced that uh tesla would tesla would uh, convert 1.5 billion dollars of its cash into uh to buy bitcoin you know so like they would invest in tesla would invest in in bitcoin and that basically got the whole crypto world um excited because like you know that's one of the world's biggest companies that's betting on uh cryptocurrency right and that was that like unleashed a chain like a a chain where like crypto was just going high up, you know, uh, and then a couple of weeks. And, and then not only that, not only that, a lot of now athletes started accepting their salaries in crypto as well. You had NFL players like, like say, instead of giving me my salary, giving my salary in Bitcoins. You had NFL players doing that. I believe you had, if you're always an NBA player, I think one NBA player might have done that as well, but you're, you're seeing it translate to also just, terms of salary terms of how people get paid people are saying you'll pay me in bitcoin instead of you know regular cash yeah and yeah that's that's a good point and uh you know teams just started offering that to to their athletes and players um i believe the dallas mavericks in the nba offered that to their players because mark cuban who's the owner of the team or the governor, as they call it now, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no more. There's no more owners, man. <laughs> yeah, but man, it's just it's just a term that people have been using for a long time that it's hard to get rid of. But, anyways, so he's he's also getting into the crypto the crypto thing. You know, at least he was at it back a couple of months ago when crypto was going up. Uh, yeah, and I believe the mayor of uh, Miami also started, wanted to transform Miami into like a crypto city, you know, crypto friendly city and stuff like that. So you had hype all over, you know, in ev- everywhere, right? And then uh, Elon Musk tweeted a couple of weeks back that, uh, you know, Tesla wasn't going to accept is going to suspend tech, taking uh cryptocurrency as a uh, as a payment because of its rapidly and I quote rapidly increasing use of fossil fuels especially coal uh especially coal 
Um, so basically, the issue is this. So Tesla sells itself as like a sus sustainable uh, company, a company that's pushing for sustainability with electric cars, you know, uh, you know, and and cryptocurrency, especially Bitcoin, is obtained through a process called mining, you know. So basically, the mining is done by super powerful computers uh, that solve math problems because there's like a limited amount of Bitcoin available uh, out there. You know, there's a cap to it and people have to mine them to get them to to get that uh, amount into uh, circulation, you know, and you mine through, as I said, you know, with your computer solving math problems, you know, but that process uses a lot of electricity and uh like a big chunk of uh of mining happens in in china of bitcoin mining or crypto mining happens in china and china's economy so far is still reliant heavily reliant on coal as a source of energy and coal is really really dirty as a form of uh you know, uh, of as a source of energy, and a lot of countries are trying to, you know, with climate change and stuff, a lot of economies are trying to transition to more sustainable sources of energy. So that that is one big problem that uh, cryptocurrency has. And Elon Musk, just the brand of Tesla, couldn't reconcile the fact that they are accepting crypto, um, and you know, and claiming to be sustainable, you know, like, uh, in terms of how much, uh, crypto, how much energy crypto uses, uh, like there's a study at the center for alternative finance at Cambridge university that showed that, uh, miners currently use 147 tera terawatt hours uh, per year, which is roughly around half of what of the UK's power consumption and only about 39% of um, of uh, of that usage comes from uh, renewable energy sources you know so there's you know mining still has like a big chunk of uh, big chunk of its uh, energy use usage that needs to be uh, transformed in come come from uh, sustainable uh, sources so you know so basically when elon musk tweeted that that unleashed an entire chain of events where you know people started selling you know crypto and uh, the price of bitcoin and not a lot of other uh coins started going down i believe right just in you know uh like in the few days after the the tweet the price of bitcoin fell by a as much as 13%, you know, and now it's been down by more than 30%, if I'm not mistaken, you know, so yeah, that's, that's what's been happening in the crypto world. And it's really interesting. I, you know, I want to hear your thoughts on this about, you know, the fact that it's, you know, like people call it revolutionary and, uh, you know, you know, there's that, uh, you know, there's that uh, hot factor about crypto because it's like new and it's like, you know, it looks like something from the future. But at the same time, it relies on, you know, like ancient sources of 
energy energy sources energy production so you know it's uh, uh, you know it's just it's just super um interesting and the last point here is that like i've been concerned with the sustainability factor of crypto but you know like i think now it's catching up to it because you know for a lot of people i, I was talking to about this they will always tell me that they don't think it's it's a huge problem but it feels like now it's starting to feel like a, a big problem yeah no because this is actually a good conversation because i was thinking about the sustainability factor i'm like yeah i actually gonna ask abel about that because like i mean i just need to preface it like i'm a big elon musk fan like i've been following him for a while like my dream car is a tesla model s so i i, I really rock with elon musk especially spacex and everything like he's he's one of my guys but i just failed to understand why he chose this moment to bring up the sustainability of crypto because when he was pumping uh bitcoin and dogecoin like months months and months back he was it was the sustainability of crypto was already a conversation it wasn't something that's new like like, like i said i'm not investing into any crypto but um, what i invest in is i invest into blockchains and the blockchains com- blockchain companies are what allows you people to buy crypto and etc it allows you to keep those those safe same thing with nfts nfts rely on blockchain companies so i'm investing in like in like an in a few blockchains companies because I because I be, I believe in that so I believe in a system that supports crypto so in a sense in a way I you can tell by my investment that I believe crypto could be could be the future but I would never dabble into it because it's so volatile but yeah I didn't I just didn't understand why he waited so long to bring the sustainability factor up while he was while it was getting while a Bitcoin was getting pumped pump 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 Bitcoin and and Dogecoin, and I remember the week leading up when he went to, uh, he did SNL, uh, so people were like, people were already getting like the market was going nuts because they're like, yeah, he's probably gonna talk about Dogecoin and and whatever, and then uh, the market the market went up, but then afterwards when he came out and started being up the sustainability factor, and that it's just like I said before, it just confused me as to why he waited till now. At the end of the day, it's better late than never because it needs to be a conversation that it needs to be had because. I believe a lot more people are going to get into the cryptos because there's obviously now there's a wave of investing into like part of my language is called like shit coins. So it's like, it's like Dogecoin was the big, yeah. So Dogecoin was the beginning really of the meme coin really going crazy. But now a lot of other, other coins have been going crazy. Even Dave Portnoy, I don't know if you know, yeah, you know, Dave Portnoy from Barstool, the CEO, he was like, he saw how dogecoin was getting pumped and whatever and what elon musk was doing so he's like all right i'm just gonna choose my own my own coin and then we're gonna do it to the same thing and it's just becoming a market of you get to choose who does well whatever some people even start their own their own coin so I, the way it's heading right now it's like people are begging the government to regulate this market because i don't think the government's gonna keep watching this from the sideline any longer to be honest yeah no it's it's funny because you know there there's um you know people are trying to uh understand crypto you know and the fact that there's a lot of these meme coins doesn't help that because like you know it makes crypto as as a whole look like a joke you know um i think there's uh just after elon's tweets someone created a coin called F, you know, 
F Elon. <laughs> F Elon coin. <laughs> and by F, it's not F. It's like the F word. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, but it, it, it's, it's just crazy. But at the same time, for people who are really interested, uh, in the, about crypto and the crypto space, you know, like I was, you know, I was talking to someone who's heavily invested, as I told you, in in crypto. I won't say who it is, but you know, um, like basically, uh, he was telling me that, uh, you know, like one thing with uh, crypto, you you have to look at the fundamentals, the fundamentals of the crypto. It's like it's like in thinking of investing in a company. You can't just invest in the hardest companies and not look at like the, their fundamentals and their vision and what they're actually doing. You have to look at the fundamentals. You have to think of what the crypto, the, the currency is trying to solve, you know, because there, there are a lot of, uh, currency, crypto currencies now, a lot of coins and a lot of them try to achieve different stuff. There is one that tries to, uh, um, enable uh you know cross border uh transactions like remittances like you know imagine you're you're an immigrant from uh mexico working in 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 the u.s and you have to send a lot of your money back to mexico you know but the fees you know uh that a lot of people a lot of services that people use are usually pretty considerable but the, there's one coin or even sending money mm. even once sending money to congo which i know our families probably do a lot mm. like yeah we have to go through western union exactly. if you want to send money back home yeah yeah so you know so that type of situation in that type of situation you want a service that like you know has a low fee and one coin is doing that um, i'm not sure which one i think it's xrp uh, i might be mistaken but one coin is doing that with like a super low fee and that's basically their under underlying business model you know their vision or their fundamental you know and there there a lot of uh, coins are are trying to achieve different stuff you know some of them are investing into blockchains and you know trying to solve different problems so he was telling me, like, if you want to invest, look at the fundamentals and look at what you believe in, like which coin you believe that their mission is impacting uh, society in a positive way and a way that's, you know, you know, that actually pr produces value. Um, and so talking about that, like that, uh, you know, I asked him, you know, like, do you think, um, you know, like, what do you think of Bitcoin? Because it was sold as you know, the solution to sending money abroad. And, you know, like back then, like five years ago, people would talk about Bitcoin as if, you know, like there is a poor family in a remote place in India or in China or in Africa somewhere uh, that need money, you know, and they have, let's say, family members, they can access money easily on through their uh crypto wallet or bitcoin wallet and that kind of thing and then you know bitcoin has become something else it, it hasn't done that right it hasn't uh as you know as, as it hasn't done what people were saying that it would do uh so but what like the response i got is that 
you know, obviously crypto, uh, Bitcoin is not doing that, but other cryptos are trying to do that. So like my view of crypt of Bitcoin per se is that, you know, and it just, uh, in particular is that Bitcoin has become a storage of value and it's like, you know, it's, and, and it's been, it's becoming something of, uh, like speculation is running the Bitcoin market, you know, is it has just become like a, you know, think of it like gold, you know, it's just like a storage it's of a value. gold rush. Yeah. But at least gold is like, you can make something with gold, right? But it's just like a pure storage of value and that's highly volatile, volatile. And, you know, like, if, like, honestly, for me, it's not really attractive, but for a lot of people, it's attractive because of how it's volatility. They think that, you know, we, I can buy it low and sell it high and that kind of thing. But in itself, it's not productive, you know? So that's what, that's why I feel like, you know, I don't believe personally in Bitcoin, you know, uh, like, it, yeah, but crypto in general has, you know, there are bright bright spots yeah i like i like the fact that you brought up like market fundamentals or because that's something that you take if especially if you're investing most if you're not investing in crypto you're like investing in like real businesses you look at the fundamentals and you and you judge whether you know i'm like this business has growth and like on the horizon so i'm gonna invest in this business i never thought that people looked at crypto the same way i did not like i'm, I'm learning something i didn't know people when they invested in cryptos they looked at the fundamentals, your your friend or whatever, he's probably one, somebody who's smarter and he does that. Uh, but I feel like there's a huge group of people who don't do that. So it's a good thing that you brought up because I don't think most people that invest in crypto really look at the fundamentals of the crypto. Like they look at, okay, I'm trying to, like you said, buy, uh, buy low, sell high, et cetera. And what we saw, and the reason why I don't believe it's going to be the future is because what happened is that obviously when all this crypto was going crazy, and people were dumping their money into crypto markets. The stock market, which I'm, which I'm in, it was getting bled out. It was so bad during a few week period. Like there were cause everybody was exiting stock market and going into the crypto market. Crypto market went down. Everybody went back to the stock market because I think at the end of the day, people value the fact that you can invest in a company and you see the company, you can see the storefront, you could, you see the asset of that company. Like you can see what it can do. When you when you're dealing with with uh with crypto, I think it's it's much harder to see that value because not only is that value it's not tangible per se, like it can become tangible, but it's not tangible per se. But not only that, it's also because we dictate the value. This is the the value of Bitcoin or whatever is is by is by the people. It's not by by the whatever uh, with cash on hand or whatever mar uh, market performance is just based on the value that people see in it. If we give it value, then it has value. As soon as you don't give it value, then the market crashes, right? So that's why for me too, I'm, I don't really touch crypto that much because I don't, it's way too, it's way too volatile or whatever. But what I do find interesting actually, uh, I don't know if I would ever buy any of it, but it's like the NFT, NFT market, which is the, they're called non fungible tokens. Basically, uh, the first time I heard about, and, and I don't know how, what definition you have of NFTs that you can read, I'll let you read that after I just say this. Cause the first time I ever heard about NFTs actually was when I remember scrolling and I just saw this account on Twitter called NBA Top Shot. 
and they were giving uh they're talking about nfts all on this highlight or whatever so it was different nba highlights of big moments i i was so confused as to i'm like why why would anybody want to <laughs> on a highlight i could just screen record it and i have the highlight but just going even deeper into nfts i'm just like oh i see what it is because at the end of the day you and i could record those highlights all we want on our phones but we can't we can't sell the recording of our highlight because it's not that's not the that's not the highlight itself. So NFTs have have more of like it's it, it's in a sense like you know that this is unique. What you hold your in your possession is unique. And what's great about it about NFTs is that now it allows artists like digital artists are now going to because digital artists who have already they're already making stuff online now get to sell their designs. So same way you saw the Mon- Mona Lisa being sold to some people. It's like, you're some Mona Lisa, whatever, who cares? But the art, people that love art, like, no, the Mona Lisa is so beautiful. So same way we do that in the real world physically, digital artists are going now online, selling NFTs of their art. And I'm like, and selling it for millions. Like, it's it's crazy. So I found the NFT market, I find way more intriguing and interesting than obviously uh, the crypto market. Yeah, no, I, you know, I don't know, man. It's, it's so complicated. Let me just read the, the definition of NFTs and, you know, and then we can talk about it. Like it, uh, by, um, Merriam Webster, uh, its definition is a unique digital identifier that cannot be copied, substituted or subdivided that is recorded in a blockchain and that is, that is used to certify authenticity and ownership as of a specific digital asset and specific rights relating to it you know like obviously the you know like merriam webster's dictionary is supposed to be like you know like for uh advanced adult adult english speakers but nothing like too technical but all despite that like it's this definition is still pretty technical and to be honest, like for me, like I don't understand it. I perhaps I need to spend more money. I mean, more time in uh, in researching researching this. But you know, I don't understand the appeal apart from the fact that you know, like uh, you know, you, you can sell it for you can buy it for for some amount of money, and uh, a few years later you can sell for 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 a profit but apart from that i don't understand why people are, are into this you know but like just the the last point here is that like uh, uh what i'm you know it's what's interesting what's been interesting in this episode is to know that like you're you're like a believer in blockchains and blockchain technology and that it's something i didn't know but yeah but yeah yeah, no. Uh, so, uh, interesting thing about the NFTs too is that, so, cause you have basically a way in which people can make passive income because if you create, like, you can create your own F- NFT or whatever, you sell that NFT, and in certain cases, you actually, there's a royalty on that NFT. So, when that NFT gets sold to somebody else, the original owner of the NFT makes, like, whatever, how much percent you make. So, now the money, you can make passive income of nfts but i think a, a good way in a way in, in a way i see i would see most of the the value in NF, nfts because there's also this 
there's very like stupid NFTs, but like the ones that I would, I would, would I, I would love is like obviously the digital art or even now I'm seeing photographers going to NFTs. So they're putting their pictures and they're selling them as NFTs, which is very interesting because what happens a lot in social media is the pictures of photographers just gets taken and reused and reused and reused. And there's no real, you don't really like, unless you put that photographer's, uh, watermark, which a lot of photographers do. So then people know who made that picture. As people see that, that photographer's uh, watermark, then the photographer kind of, you don't, they don't get the recognition for their work. So it's like, at least if you sell the NFT of that beautiful picture you have and you sell somebody, now you can finally make money off of it. And I think it all comes back down to how much value we put into this stuff. Like if I see this as valuable, then I'm going to place my bid on it. And then somebody else will place their bid and then we'll see like how high, how high it goes. But it, again, it still comes down to what people believe the value of, of something is. And I think if you're buying, like for me, if I would, were to buy digital, digital art, it would be purely for, for me as like, I just want to own it. Like I just, it's a beautiful art. I believe in it. Same way in real life, you buy art, you put it in your room, like the one behind me, like you could put it in your room. It looks nice. It's a nice thing to have. It's not like I'm going to go and sell this art to somebody, somebody else. It's mine to store because it's a beautiful thing to have. So I think what's interesting is that one of the original digital artists of NFTs, his name is Peeble, Peeble, Beeble, something like that. He's one that sold like for like millions and millions. He decided now, like every time he sells digital art, he sends also like the people who bought it, like a certain package and it has the art like, like framed into this digital like frame. So like they can kind of see like the art, like it's, it's so nice. And just, you just have, he just, he adds, he's adding value to RDS. And that's something you can, anybody could choose to do as the owner of the NFT. But there's, I see a lot of ways this, uh, this, uh, this market can go. Yeah. Um, so I have a question, like I have questions because like, you know, I think you, you know more of this, more about this than, you know, most people and including myself. So, so it, uh, you're, Talking about photographers. So let's say a photographer sells a picture, you know, like, is there something stopping other people from using that picture that's sold as an NFT or like, like, does it change some, anything for like other people and how they use the picture, uh, online? No, it doesn't change anything for the other people that use it. It changes, it, it only changes stuff. For the photographers, because now as a photographer, you get to sell and make money off that art or whatever. But in terms of what, what other people are going to do around you, like they can still screenshot it and do and whatever they illegal. want with that picture. No, it, I, I don't know if it's really if it's illegal or not. Like, I think it's actually an interesting convo. Like, I would love to ask Mustafa about another, but because I don't think it's illegal and I know. And I know enough photographers to know this is something they truly battle with a lot because they're like, we don't get recognition for our work and then it just gets sent over. But no, it's not, it's not, it's not really, it's not illegal unless, um, I think like I know certain businesses, like, like if you're a media company and you have a picture, like people have to 
ask for that picture or like pay for that picture. But then again, people still do it and they'll just credit the person. I think that's one thing as like an honor system of crediting the person. But no, in terms of like, it doesn't matter. Like if the photographer puts it on NFT or not, people are, I don't think people's behaviors around is going to change. But the fundamental question that the fundamental question is, what is the value in owning that picture? Like you get that picture that everybody's screenshotting or whatever. That's fine. They're all screenshotting it, but this isn't, and it's fake. You know, it's like Jordan shoes. It's like, there's a lot of fake shoes out there and a lot of people could spot the fake shoe or whatever. And it's the same thing. If you look at NFT, it's like, you're the one owner of the true NFT. You really do own this. Other people might be sharing it around, but they don't own it. So, it just comes down to what value you see. And people who buy like fake shoes or whatever, they truly don't care. They just want to have something that resembles that. But at the end of the day, the people around it that buy the real shoes recognize like, yo, those are fake shoes. Like it's not, it's not valuable, whatever. So it just, it really depends on the individuals, to be honest, at the end of the day. Okay. Okay. One last question about this. So, um, since it's like a digital uh, asset, you know, so let's say a picture, you know, how is it fake when you can just, you know, download it, right? Like, is it like encrypted so that like you can't have the original one or something? But yeah, like, there's some, there's, yeah, there's like a unique code to the, the NFT. The NFT you have with the picture, it's like you have basically the original, the original picture. Like it can't be, it can be duplicated. Like you could, I don't know what exactly is the technology behind it, but it's like, it's very unique. Like you are the only, per- only person that have it. The screenshots or whatever you can be is, is a way of distinguishing that from the actual NFT. Cause at the end of the day, the people that have the screenshots or whatever, they can't sell the screenshot, but you can sell the NFT. Cause the NFT, the NF- NFTs get sold on like, like on NFT, like market, like marketplaces, right? So once you sell that in the marketplace, I can't go to the marketplace and bring a, a screenshot. They'll like you. It won't. It won't work. But you can bring that NFT, and their the and the code of the NFT will the market will recognize it as being the original, and then you could resell it or whatever you want to do with it. Yeah, no, this is all interesting, man. It's just it's a weird world, you know, like uh. I was, I was watching today. I was watching a, a video. Someone was talking about how people are gonna start buying digital clothes, and I was like, "What? That's what, hilarious! What is that for?" And the person who was explaining was saying, "So imagine you have a meeting over Zoom, and you're in your pajamas, but you don't want to change your clothes." Instead, you can just buy digital clothes, and once you're on the, the, Zoom, the Zoom meeting, you know you'll just put on those clothes, and it's like it's more sustainable and uh, stuff like that, and you know less you're creating. You know what's creating. funny? Yeah. Let me let me give you something that will even make you even more confused. You know, you can buy plots of land as NFTs. So it's literally maps. It's maps of land as NFTs, uh, like digital maps. What? What? It's insane. <laughs> it makes no sense. It makes like there's one thing where you could buy, especially since I'm a Formula One fan. Like you could buy like the digital map of of the 
Monaco Grand Prix, so you can buy like a parts of it. And every time, I think I don't know if it's anytime there's a race online or in real life. I don't know what was it again. But if any time there's a race on it, the original owner, like the owner of that map NFT, gets money from. <laughs> I don't know where the money comes from. Don't ask me, but that that goes beyond what I know. <laughs> oh man, this this is crazy. This is just it's nuts. At least this stuff exists is exciting, you know. And you know, as we'll move into uh, consumer tech, um, you know, like this stuff is. I don't know if it's innovative, you know, but at least it's exciting in terms of, you know, just it's, um, you know, the potential and the futuristic feel about it. But it's interesting, you know. Yeah, now we can get into uh, consumer tech. I don't know if you, you want to kick us off for a consumer tech or I can. I don't mind. Uh, yeah, like, you know, uh, so something I've been noticing, you know, I think we might have talked about this on another episode. I can't remember which one, perhaps like the big tech one that we had a while back. But something that's been really interesting for me is that, you know, Silicon Valley, like the story about Silicon Valley 10 years ago, or like even say, you know, around seven years ago. And less so five years ago, but you know, like in the early 2010s, you know, in, you know, between 2010 and 2015, the story about Silicon Valley was that, you know, it was bringing, you know, it was bringing a revolution to, to our way of, to our daily lives, you know, with, you know, we had the smartphone, uh, boom you know like the touch screen uh innovation you know like the like there was a lot of hype about silicon valley and we there was a lot of uh you know a, a lot of concrete results that you could point to and say you know like you know these tech companies have actually been impacting our lives uh and revolutionizing and being innovative you know but like uh, as of late it doesn't feel the same way at least for me you know like if you think about like one big example is for example apple if you think about apple like what apple has been doing if you think of the past 20 years right we're in 2021 but if you think of apple between the early 2000 and 2010 and between 2010 to now you feel like you know there's a substantial substantive difference in how innovative apple was in in the in the former part and how unoriginal it has been in the latter part you know in the past 10 years like we've apple has given us almost the same thing with incremental incremental changes you know i same like an iphone an ipad the new thing is probably just the apple watch but nothing, you know, like innovative. And I feel like that also goes, uh, to a lot, just the consumer tech market, uh, uh, as a whole, you know, we haven't seen much of like a lot of innovations, you know, um, so, uh, I'm, I'm blanking on the name, but there's this billionaire guy 
who's uh, like he was one of the early investors in Facebook and his name will come back to me, but he's really involved politically. He's like a Republican and he's like a weird type of guy um, who was talking about how like one of his quotes is that we're promised flying cars, but we only got 240 characters or something like that. You know, he's talking about how tech was sold as something that's going to change our daily lives. And now we have Twitter, you know, we have Instagram, you know, so like it's an important, like it's, pretty interesting i and i thought this would be like a good discussion to to have on on this episode because like i don't know if you have the same feeling but for me like tech has been disappointing for the past 10 years uh, that's why it's so i think um that's probably why i also appreciate elon musk more and what he does with with what he has been doing especially with spacex or whatever because i'm like this is finally but people have been yearning for something that is moving humanity forward, like something that is exciting or whatever. And when you go back to the, to the like tech market, like nothing, like you said, nothing has really been happening. But not only that, and I'm going to credit a lot of what I learned from, uh, Marquez. He's like a I tech YouTuber. Like his, I think his name is MKHD or something like that. Like MKHD. I really, like, I've been watching him. Yeah. Yeah. I've been watching that guy. Like, yeah, I've been watching that guy for so long. Like, I, I, I love his videos, but he had a good video on also called, like, the paradox of choice. So it's basically the way in why, how companies like Apple have been killing the little guys who they innovate to create these little things. Like, Apple just released right now the little, I forgot what it's called, but basically you tag that onto any uh, clothing or whatever item you want, you don't want to lose. And then after, across all your iphone product it tracks where that device is so that thing started before apple released theirs but apple just released theirs right and i think that's the example of how apple kills a competition because that has already been like i think the company was light or whatever that had already made one so basically apple doesn't say oh you can't use the other devices with our devices but at the end of the day if you're an apple user you're most likely going to use the apple product rather than the non-Apple product. And I think that goes into the motivations of innovating in tech. Like if you're a small guy, because usually I think most of the innovation is going to come from the small guys having ideas, putting it out there and making something out of it. If you're a small guy and you create an idea and the market or like regulations don't protect you from, from companies like Apple stealing your tech and doing their own thing, and then weeding you out, I think you're going to see even less innovation in this market because there's no motive, there's no motivation to innovate if Apple's just going to quash me or whatever. Like there needs to be, I think there needs to be more security for for innovators. Like I don't, I don't know how you do, how you do it. Obviously, it's going to be through patents or whatever, but I don't think patents even go far enough with certain products. So I I, I think that's a good point you brought up. Like, and I think this this is one of the reason why I think tech has also has also slowed down. And I think normal consumers, like regular folks, like like uh, just re- regular folks, like I don't think we are, we're putting our feet, the feet to the, uh, like Apple's feet to the fire. I don't think we are. I think we're just, we're accepting it as it is. Because at the end of the day, they release a new phone every, every year and there's still lineups all the way around the block. Apple has 
and we're just giving Apple this is just one example, but Apple has locked us down into their eco their ecosystem where me as an Apple user, once I became an Apple user, I never went back. There's a reason why I never went back. Because it's just more convenient to stay within the Apple space, right? So Yeah, no, and that's one of the reasons why I don't use Apple products. I don't have like all my uh devices are, you know, something other than Apple. Uh but yeah, like, and I, by the way, I found the, the, I found the name of the guy. It's Peter Thiel. Uh, he's, uh, he's like a big investor and, you know, he's, he's a renowned guy, you know. Uh, but yeah, like you, you brought up a really good point, you know, like in terms of just the, the fact that there's no, you know, the competition isn't as strong as it was in, uh, in the techs sector right so one the other big guy that that has had a lot of controversies around this is amazon because amazon is a marketplace and also produces products but one of uh and we talked about this a while ago is one problem is that you know sometimes they look at high like high performing products and they go around and just produce them themselves and rank them like first on their website you know so you know like that just squashes the the small players and you know there's like this big discussion in 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 the u.s of regulating the the tech industry you know on one side you have these progressive democrats who like elizabeth senator elizabeth warren who is trying to break up a bunch of these companies you know she wants to break up uh Google from the store app, I believe, and Facebook from like Amazon. She wants to break up Amazon from the, uh, what's the other service that they offer? Like the, like the online, uh, uh, apart the marketplace, they also offer Amazon something services. Prime? No, it's like the streaming thing. No, not, I think I'm just. It's oh, Amazon Web Services. So they want to break up like Amazon and Amazon Web Services, and I believe Facebook and and WhatsApp or something like that. You know, and on the other side, Republicans who are interested in this are more so looking at like Facebook and the way the like Facebook and Twitter has been regulating. You know, around hate speech, especially like the famous case was the former president Donald Trump who got banned on all these platforms and you know so like it's not the same conversation but that conversation has is not really moving and at the same time the sector is still like struggling there's no innovation really you know like you know it's it's really sad you know uh that w- we haven't seen something that's like revolutionizing the consumer tech sector, you know, like what is it that you own right now as a consumer, uh, a piece of technology that you own right now that you couldn't have 10 years ago, albeit like 10 years ago, it would be of like, it would, it wouldn't perform as well as today, but there's nothing really new, you know, or something that's significant, you know, as was the smartphone, uh, the jump from, you know, the regular phones to the smartphones. You know, yeah. yeah, and I like how you you uh, brought up also 
like the 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 Google Store and all these things. Because when these companies get to create their own store and they sell product, like they sell different things off their store, they get money from that store, right? And then Apple is no different. Obviously, I think Apple takes thirty percent out of any any like if out of any in app purchases from the Apple store. And I know there's been beef between the companies and Apple, and I think there's a current lawsuit about this as well. Because the people are, people are, like, companies are saying, like, why does Apple deserve 30% of all the money, all the money we can make? I think Epic Games and Apple beefed pretty hard about this. I think they kicked off Epic Game off the app, something like that. I forgot. I was watching a video about it. But I think, yeah, that's also, that's one thing that's also an important part. There's a big monopoly in this market right now. So you have a company like Spotify that does like music, podcasting or whatever. And then you have a company like Apple that has the app store. On top of that, they also do Apple podcasts. They also do Apple music and Spotify's app is in the app store. So the question becomes like, how fair is the market for Spotify if they're the small player within the Apple world? And I think I keep saying Apple because Apple is just the biggest example of how clear cut like this monopoly is and how dangerous it is if it just if it just keeps going the way the way it's going either apple is going to have to like take a back foot and realize the impact of that of their actions or i don't know somebody's going to have to step in to do something or i don't know or there's going to have to be an innovation where there's like a universal app store for every phone which will apple will never allow on their iphone so I don't know what's going to, I don't know what's, what's, what's going to happen. And yeah, like, uh, and something I want to bring up is the, the beef between Apple and, uh, Facebook, you know? Um, so basically if Apple, uh, has a new feature on iPhones and iPads, um, so that feature will allow, uh, users not to be, not to have their data collected by apps, especially Facebook. So, uh, and that data can be collected across websites, you know, so you can, like Facebook can collect your data even as you move to other apps, you know, it's not just constrained to the Facebook app, right? So, and then they can use that data to advertise. Um, that's why a lot of people, you know, a lot of people sometimes are surprised that, you know, like they looked up something like, you know, you know, something uh, online and they open up Facebook. They see that thing being advertised, you know, um, like I believe there's like pre- some pretty inclu- uh, intrusive cases like uh, like women who looked up uh, symptoms of being pregnant and then being you know, offered like pregnancy products or something like that on Facebook, you know, getting those ads. Uh, but yeah, so uh, Apple is basically, so Apple is basically selling itself as the tech company that looks up after your privacy. And one of the few companies that doesn't want to sell your data and stuff. And, uh, so they introduced that feature that can, like on iPhones, can tell you, like can allow you to just turn off the the track, the data tracking, you know, the data collection. 
and face yeah and facebook that's a big part of facebook's business right and a lot of people use apple devices you know so they've been like they've been going back and forth you know like facebook has actually been insulting you know it's as hard as it can get in the corporate world if you look at the the statements it's it's almost like they're almost insulting each other by in corporate language <laughs> beef, yeah, but, beef, beef. <laughs> yeah but it's a pretty interesting case um yeah man and you know like just to go back on the innovation thing it's just weird when you know like that these companies have become so big and have so much influence on on on, on the market and that the the fact that they're big is not is no longer like an advantage for uh consumers you know like and a lot of people in terms of apple as you, you you know you gave that example a lot of people are pointing to like the leadership at apple um going from steve jobs to tim cook and they talk about how steve jobs was really into pushing innovation and tim cook has really just been into the financialization of apple you know uh doing stuff like stock buybacks and uh, giving a lot of dividends to the shareholders you know and those kind of things like his it looks like it feels like his uh priority has been the profitability of apple and not like the innovation you know like yeah mm-hmm. what's in uh like just quickly going back to the the, the privacy point i think um it's gonna uh, privacy at least in the minds of consumers like the privatization of like our information or whatever it's gonna come down to to convenience versus inconvenience and i say this in a sense because when you have a, a phone like apple that yes they block facebook from like sharing uh your information but at the same time also apple tracks a lot of your information which allows them to make your Apple experiences, your Apple experience, much more convenient. By Apple tracking everything I do on my phone, I get to use like the Find My iPhone app. Like it, it's like it's very. You get to use all these services, and it become much more convenient. Because not too long ago, Isa was like, he was, he took my phone. He's like, Yo, did you know Apple's tracking you or whatever? I didn't know what he meant, but I'm like, I, I wasn't. I'm like, I'm like, I'm not too surprised. I'm like, okay, sure. But he showed me my phone, and then he went to this app. I mean, he went to this settings or whatever. And then they literally showed where I was and how I got there. It was like, you, you got there by foot. You got there by car. And it, it showed how long my, my journey was. Like he drove for this, how this long or whatever. I was just like, yo, that's it. I was just like, wait, whoa, that's crazy. But I still, he's like, you could turn it off. And then he said, like, you can turn it off by, by doing something. But then after I'm just like, I didn't want to turn it off simply because I'm just like, it just made my Apple experience much more convenient. So I think when it comes to just keeping our information private and not like being less tracked by these applications, it's going to come down to what we want to do with our own convenience. Do you want to forego that in order to feel safer with our information? Or do you want to keep reaping the benefits of having, uh, of having this convenience, it all comes down like because we can't. We I don't think we can have the best of both worlds. And we'll be right back, and we'll talk about uh, 
short form videos, TikTok algorithms, and all that. All right, now let's get into talking about algorithms, TikTok, YouTube, and all that good stuff. I know a lot of creators are going to like this conversation because algorithms really <clears throat> dictate whether the content you make gets to get pushed out to certain people and et cetera. And right now there's a, especially because what, especially one is because of Instagram and the way they've used the algorithm. Not many people like the way that Instagram has been using the algorithm. So now you're seeing posts, people like on Instagram, you see posts from like days back or like very old posts or whatever. You know, Instagram was more, especially me. I, I used to enjoy Instagram when it was more, I get on the app, I see the latest post that was posted or whatever. Now I see posts from, from you know, however long ago. And it's, especially for me, like, as of the last, like, few months, I think I think since, like, September, I don't scroll on Instagram anymore. Like, literally, I just go on I just go on Instagram to do stuff for, for the podcast or whatever and then leave the, and then leave the app. Like, the only way I really see posts is, like, it's like literally it's the first picture I see once I go on Instagram is the only thing I'm going to see unless unless like I look at somebody's story and see something. So I know when like certain like photo- photographers I like like Brian or Issa when they post stuff like I usually will go on their page and see if they posted something new or I know when Issa has a schedule of posting and then I know when he's posting or whatever. Other than that, I don't spend much time on Instagram because Instagram to me is it is is done. It just hasn't it hasn't worked and then they don't li- and they also don't listen to like what consumers have had to say about it like not only did instagram to me go downhill once they started implementing their new algorithm but it also went downhill when they started uh when they started making instagram a marketplace like you know you can buy sell like, you can buy stuff on instagram or sell stuff on instagram like it, it changed the whole layout and to me i'm like you i'm not I'm not, I'm not going to use this application if it looks like this. It just, it just looked to me like a hot mess. And to me, that's when I'm like, your Instagram is done. But like the, one of the apps that have done a really good job with the algorithm has been TikTok. Like TikTok, anybody who has TikTok knows how it works. You have your for you page and then you have your following page. And there's a reason why most people spend most of their time in the for you page rather than your following page. Following page is everybody you follow manually. Like, I like this guy. Let me follow him or whatever. For you page is TikTok's curated feed just for you. They notice what you like, what videos you spend time on. Like, for me, my for you page is filled with, like, Formula One, sports, uh, like, you know, tech stuff. It's just di- different different types of things I really, I really enjoy. And it's interesting that even though we, I do follow people manually or whatever, I still spend more time on my for you page because the algorithm is so perfect. It knows exactly, it knows exactly what, what you want. And I think a lot of apps are trying to mimic what TikTok has done in terms of their algorithm, but not many can, but TikTok's algorithm is just, it, it's on, it's on, it's on point. It's on point for sure. Yeah. That's, that's, Pretty interesting, you know, like, um, uh, for me, like Instagram, I don't use it, uh, uh, as much as before, you know, I, like, I, I don't scroll as much. I, like, I think I spend more time looking at stories and I, you know, it's like what, what has been interesting for me is how they curate their stories and which ones come first, because it's not always like the, the latest that come first. And, but also 
Like I have, you know, in the search bar, I just have like a couple of pages that I go to. They're all like basketball highlight pages that I just go to and just shake highlights. You know, like I go manually to those pages. I don't just, I don't scroll continuously. And, uh, you know, like I don't, in terms of TikTok's algorithm, I don't use TikTok. Like I, <laughs> I log in on there, like, let's say once a month and I just like, you know, just log in and log out. Like I was probably, I've probably spent like less than 10 minutes on the TikTok app. So I don't know much about their, their algorithm, but you know, it's been interesting. Like the, the Instagram marketplace thing is just like, has been like, it's kind of like, I don't know how I feel about it because like you look at people who are actually selling their stuff online you know, there are a couple of like, uh, small, small, small business that, you know, I follow and like their stuff that sell on, on Instagram. And you can see that Instagram is, has done good, has done a lot of good for them, for their businesses, businesses, especially. And in terms of just business, uh, Instagram as a, as a social media, you know, like, it's been super convenient even for our podcast, you know, for, to increase our reach. But at the same time, you know, people have beefs with the, alg like the algorithm, you know, like, I don't know, but I haven't heard a lot of discussion about like the Instagram algorithm as, as much as I've heard about like the YouTube one, you know, like YouTube creators, um, like, they really used to like talk about algorithm. Like when I was, uh, like when we started the podcast and we were trying to learn how to, like how to increase our reach and, you know, how to, how to post, where to post and stuff. I would watch a lot of videos with these guys who are like experts on, you know, creating videos, especially for the algorithm and playing, not gaming, but like, you know. <laughs> kind of gaming the algorithm yeah they call it playing the algorithm yeah those those things they'll give you tips and this and that but at the end of the day people don't know exactly what's behind like the algorithm everybody's guessing and some guesses are wronger than others some are righter than others but we don't know what's behind the veil right so yeah yeah because the, the the reason i hear so much about especially the instagram algorithm is because like just even like for, for photographers, like it's been a hell trying to navigate this new Instagram because they're like, they've seen like a dip in their performances based on their algorithm. Now they're trying to switch around, trying to, you know, adapt to this, to this Instagram algorithm. But it comes to the point where like, especially if you're on Twitter, you would have probably seen this. Like a lot of photographers are now coming onto Twitter. Like Twitter is, is becoming the space photographers because it's even especially now recently twitter allowed for pictures to be posted on crop instagram still has the crop do you still your pictures still get like there's a maximum of that your pictures can be on instagram like in terms of in terms of vertically for twitter there's no there's no there's no uh like there's no limit anymore so now photographers have been posting much more on twitter and they've they finally actually like you could you could just see there's so much more relief that they can get to post their work in full and also twitter does have twitter has the option of you going using either having your 
feed curated based on the algorithm or just having it regularly. You choose, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure you can choose. Like I choose mine to be curated and I still enjoy my feed as is. I don't, I don't know why. I still, I don't mind it because it's, it's done perfectly. But yeah, you see a lot of, you see a lot of Instagram, well, just photographers in general move from Instagram to Twitter because Instagram is not serving, not serving their, their pictures properly. And I think what I find interesting is how much TikTok has had an influence on the surrounding apps around them. Like you have TikTok kind of, they push Instagram to, uh, introduce, uh, what are called Instagram reels, right? And then you have face, uh, not Facebook. I forgot what else has something similar, but yeah, like, so we have Instagram, Instagram started uh, using Instagram reels in terms of just trying to connect like the same way TikTok does with the youth or whatever. And YouTube recently just introduced shorts. I don't know if you heard about yeah, that. Seen that. YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. The, the YouTube, the YouTube shorts are also something new that, that have been, that have been implemented. And what I find interesting about YouTube shorts is that not only does it mimic TikTok, but it also, in a way, I think like the long term, they're trying to see whether they can take that audience that TikTok has created. Because what, what we see is that TikTokers, people that go big on TikTok, then create a YouTube account because they don't, they don't know what the future is going to look like in TikTok. You don't know if it's going to end today or tomorrow. YouTube has been here for a long time. Like people know YouTube will always be here. So that's what TikTokers tend to go to YouTube to create a page and then they could have at least that security, try to create their, try to, trying to create their space on YouTube. And TikTokers that do that, not only do that because they want more security, it's because they see what happened, they saw what happened when you don't adapt as a creator. So when Vine was big, a lot of Viners were huge, huge people. The Viners that did not adapt and go on to YouTube were killed. A lot of Viners completely disappeared because they did not create that security in YouTube. The Viners that went big, like Logan Paul and whatever, they, these are the people that were able to adapt, change their content, and make sure that they could take advantage of YouTube. So now that YouTube is implementing shorts, it would be interesting to see whether they can take a lot of the TikTok audience and have them actually create those shorts on YouTube originally. Because right now, when people create, when people post their shorts, on YouTube or it's on Instagram Reels, it's just from TikTok. You download the TikTok short, you put it on those other apps. It would be interesting to see if we'll ever get to a point where people create original content on those two different platforms. Yeah, and you know, it's what's something that I've noticed that's been interesting is that, for, for, as I said, I don't use uh, TikTok, but so on Instagram, I look at like those Reels. And I see that they are downloaded from TikTok because you can see the the handle, you know, somewhere in in the video. Uh, and then oftentimes, like the the page that will post that will try to credit the person who created the TikTok. And if you go on that person's Instagram profile, that person doesn't like doesn't have a huge following. It'll probably be like a a thousand followers or something like that but when you go on tiktok they have an like a huge following so like on your point about tiktokers going to youtube it feels like they're not going to instagram in the same way some of course are but like the medium not the the big ones like the the 
people in the millions, but the the people like in the middle with like uh, tens of thousands of followers, like maybe 70K or 60K or something like that. Those people aren't going, there are a large, a large chunk of those people who aren't going on IG and that's, that's interesting, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to see the, the popularity of these short term videos because it's, it's, it's obviously it goes in waves. Like I talked about before, Vine was big and Vine was seven seconds, I believe. And Vine goes down, disappears, and then you have Musically that comes out and Musically is, is what was before, uh, TikTok. I mean, so TikTok really started by being like a music app. You do your little dances and after TikTok became something huge. It came to the point where now TikTok people post vlogs on TikTok. They post day in the life on TikTok. So like it's, it's For become, real? become huge, but it's, yeah, yeah. It's in, the vlogs are seconds. what's. Oh, we, cause you have one minute, right? So okay, okay. you could, you, so. One minute is very easy to condense your day into one minute. Or some of the bigger creators, they just post three, four times a day of their vlog. So it's like you kind of make it a bigger form. If people like your your first vlog video, they keep going back four times in a day to see it. It's much easier to digest than obviously going on YouTube, seeing a whole whatever. But regardless, like short-term videos are... is This phenomenon is very interesting because we're going into an age where... Videos are getting shorter and shorter. Before YouTube, I don't know if you used to watch old YouTubers or whatever, but YouTube vlogs used to be 15, 20 minutes, and they used to be pick up the camera. I'm going to go do this and that today, whatever today. Now you go look at the vlogs of today on YouTube. There's sub 10, sub 10 minute videos, and there is a production behind all these vlogs. Like the production that goes into it, it's more then the video itself, like the money that invested in it is like, it's more like it's, it's crazy. Like it's like a production of a production. Like it's, it's, it's crazy. And people are like, they're doing this obviously to cater to the YouTube algorithm. Retention is a huge thing. First five seconds, I have to grab the audience and then you keep on like you, and then you go on on this journey with them for like sub 10 minutes. You can't make your vlog too long. And it's interesting for me to see, as a guy who used to love YouTube back in the day when it was much more natural, it was just videos, just to see the way it's changing to these quick vlogs, like punchline, punchline, punchline. It's like, it's really, it's, it's really in, insane to see that transition. And one of the apps that tried to take advantage of this was Quibi when Quibi released April 2020. So that was the beginning of the pandemic. They, they, they like raised like $1.7 billion, like from, different media companies, Walt Disney, NBC, like a lot of people believed in what Quibi wanted to do. And what Quibi wanted to do is basically videos uh, that it was, it was going to be just phone based. You could just do it on your phone. 10 minute episodes of like sh- little shows they create. So it's just 10 minute, 10 minute episodes and you watch it on your phone or whatever. And they're, they're demographic. They're trying to reach younger audiences, obviously with the short term videos or whatever. As the pandemic went on, like, Kirby did not go, did, it did not go well. Like, after the, like, so yeah, I think there's a 90 day trial with Quibi. Only 8% of users actually converted to, like, paying customers of Quibi. Like, it was completely, it's just been going, it, it kept going downhill. And Quibi, they're saying it was because of the pandemic. And the pandemic is the reason why people's attitudes and routines kind of changed. But I'm like, no, man, story up. It's, that's not what it is. Is the formula you guys had was all wrong. They wanted to do 
app, short term videos, 10 minute, 10 minute max videos, and you could only watch it on your phone. So I don't know to younger audiences, maybe if I want to give it to my, I don't, my sibling is not 10 years old, but like if I had a 10 year old younger sibling or a little kid, yeah, for them, yeah, they'll love, they'll be on the phone like this. But if you go 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, all these kids are watching stuff on their laptops or whatever. So Quibi confined themselves to just being a phone application. And then as they saw the numbers drop, then they're like, okay, now you could Chromecast it to your TV or you could airplay it or et cetera. But it was, it was, it was already, it was already too late. Like you lost and first impression is a huge thing. They lost that first impression and they never, they never got it back. Yeah. And, uh, just a fun fact. I was one of those part of those 92% who signed up for the, for the three months trial and never I'm afterwards. <laughs> That's why you're laughing. Why was he laughing? <laughs> because I, I want to jump in, but I just let you finish your thought. And, you know, like, honestly, I didn't, I watched like two, three stuff. Like there was a prank. Uh, series with, uh, who was it? Uh, Megan the Stallion. It was Megan the Stallion and somebody. Um, I watched a few of those. I don't even recall what I watched on it, but like the whole thing was weird, man. It was something was off, you know. They, they gave up a lot on the, on the storyline, you know, on story development for the, like the quick, you know, the quick and, you know, punchline, you know, focused videos. And I feel like, you know, like maybe it could have worked in some ways, but there's a reason why people really love Netflix and really love, um, you know, TV shows now, you know, these TV shows that run on for hours and hours, like Game of Thrones or, the crown or you know whatever it is you know there's a reason why people uh, have started switching into also simultaneously switching into like really really short videos and really 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 long videos you know there's a reason why you know people watch the full like full videos of the of the joe rogan podcast you know which goes on for like three hours you know, like something was wrong with their, like, uh, their, uh, initial project with just their plan and the market research that they did. Like there's a market for the short videos, but I don't think you can create a Netflix like app for f- short pr- production heavy because th- those videos were production heavy. You know, they invested a lot of money into it. They had a bunch of celebrities um host shows on there you know so i i don't think i just don't think it was it was a good idea and they went bankrupt i think so <laughs> no actually so they they were they they that what they're saying fam, a lot of stuff they say i i just have to call cap or whatever they said that they were they actually were able to raise more money uh like from investors but they decided to not keep going with the app because they're like, we don't want to put like our, our the different stakeholders through that. We want to make sure they could get some of their money back or whatever. So I'm like, I'm calling cap on what they're saying. 
But regardless, just for people know, quick Quibi stands for quick bites, actually. So, but yeah, like you said, I don't think it's it's weird to me that you would try to make basically a Netflix, but just make it maximum ten minutes and only allow it on phones to begin with. Netflix, what's great is I could do it whatever. Go on my phone, I could download, uh, I could download shows or whatever. I could watch it on my laptop, I could watch it on my TV. Like the versatility of Netflix, the versatility of Netflix, it what is what has allowed Netflix to be able to reach cross generational from the little kids, ten years old to me, you to the older people. Like it's it's very cross generational, right? And Quibi, I think, was supposed to basically rival also like a YouTube because YouTube also has like those ten minute, uh, like you know you have vlogs or whatever, little shows for ten minutes or whatever. But it's just you. I don't know how with all that money and everything and all those consultants, they weren't able to do proper market research on this. But, uh, but yeah, other than that, I think we kind of covered anything, everything. I don't know. what Are we missing anything? Anything new uh, in technology? I think that's, that's pretty much it. But just one last thing I would like to ask you. What do you think of the... Of, the Snapchat and what they've been doing with like their videos and stuff. Oh my god, Snapchat, Snapchat is dead, man. <laughs> Snapchat, I I respect it a lot because I I didn't I didn't even know like I remember I I would see them like at the bottom, but I don't I don't go on Snapchat too much. Like the reason I the only reason I really go on Snapchat is to because I'm in like different groups. Like my our soccer team has a Snapchat or whatever, and I think a lot of people still. Like will message you through Snapchat or whatever. So that's the only reason I still have it. If it wasn't for that, Snapchat would be I would not I would not have it. But it's interesting, like they've trying to continuously find a way to reinvent themselves. And now they have like whole shows on there. They have little mystery mystery shows that you can like that's like interactive. So you choose like so it's very very interesting. But uh, Snapchat to me just for me personally is just is dead because I I I just don't. When we were younger, I guess it was. It's more fun to show people, hey, yo, I'm here doing this, doing that, doing that. But as you, as I've grown older, I just, I value, I value privacy. <laughs> I just value, I just value just keeping things internal, showing what you want to show, obviously, and just, yeah, I don't. The Snapchat thing, it just doesn't work for me. Just where I'm at in life right now. How about you? Uh, it's weird because like for me it hasn't changed much because to begin with i never used snapchat to like post a bunch of stuff you know like i never knew that people would send you like a picture of their food and then you send back a picture of something and then you get those points like my my uh my score in snapchat is like super low because i used it as i would use like facebook messenger you know like i would once in a while i would post a story but that would be like once every three months <laughs> but like i would just use it as a messaging app and i i thought that was that's what it was for for most people but i didn't know people would send pictures and stuff and so for me it hasn't changed much it's just been weird to see like those videos that they produce and stuff but like you know but yeah, you yeah, actually yeah, you're you're touching on the point about they're called the what are they streaks? Yeah, streaks. Oh, uh, Snapchat streaks. streaks. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Streaks to me is the one thing I never understood. Like, the like, I just because I'm just gonna say that because when I remember when I went out when I went out to school or whatever, everybody around me did streaks. Like, yo, streaks or whatever. I'm like, yo, chill, 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 chill. I don't do I don't do streaks because it just made no sense to me. It's like, yo, if if we're boys or whatever, we're gonna talk. Like, we don't need to do streaks or whatever and it just because you literally just send a picture whatever he sends you the picture back and then you have the fire thingy and then you have the numbers and i remember asking some of my friends who were like i'll call them serial streakers i'm just like so what is what is this like what does it she's like oh they're like oh man it's like you know you get to keep a record and whatever it's cool or whatever but i'm like okay what do you what do we what is to be gained from doing streaks or whatever and it just just from the answer I got, I'm just like, yeah, it's not for me. Like, I'm not um, streaks and all that. And I have a friend who used to be, used to do streaks a lot. And you know her, actually. But, uh, well, you know, you've seen you've seen her, like, say who it is off, off the podcast. But she doesn't do streaks anymore. She stopped doing streaks. She's like, she's like, I don't know, man. I don't go on Snapchat anymore. But she used to do streaks hardcore. Now she stopped. Uh, I have a funny story about that, too. Like, we have a mutual mutual friend, and uh, I won't say who it is, but <laughs> we were hanging out once, and he got a message on Snapchat. Somebody sent him mm-hmm. a picture, and he yeah. literally just took his phone. He opened it and just did this. He didn't even look at what he took and just sent it. I was like, what the hell? He was like, no, I have to reply. I'm like, what the hell? I'm telling you. What the hell is going on here? Yeah, like I I didn't know about the streaks and stuff. And I don't even understand it fully. I'm not like, I don't even know what it is. But yeah, Mm -hmm. it's it's Snapchat, man. It's, It's weird. Yeah, no, I don't... I don't know what I, I think they'll probably still keep. I don't think Snapchat will ever like disappear or whatever. But I, I think what that initial peak when it was amazing, I don't see how they ever reach that again. Like I don't. At least then again, you always you always take advantage of the younger generation. So I don't know what to do. That's the thing when we talk about these things, we're I always keep in in mind that we're talking from our perspective and we're twenty two, twenty three. So what we think. It's not what my younger brother who's 16 thinks, you know, like it's, it's different across generations, right? But, uh, yeah, on that note, I think we covered basically everything. We'll be back. I like, I like this type of episodes, like just touching on different stuff all over the place. Uh, but yeah, if something new comes up, we'll definitely, uh, talk about it on the podcast. Uh, any suggestions for the viewers, listeners? I don't know. I've been, I've just been rewatching stuff that I've watched already. I'm rewatching Suits on Netflix, which I've, yeah, I've watched it a couple of times. Uh, but I just finished, oh, I just finished a book that I have right here. Just a sec. Try to get it. It's called. Okay, this may be too much work. Okay, so it's called A Bright Future by uh, Joshua Goldstein and Stephen A. Quivist. Um, it's about climate climate change, but it's not really about climate. It's more so about like climate solutions. It's uh, 
it's uh, more so about nuclear power uh and it's 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 interesting you know like nuclear is like uh there's it's weird like it politically use like a lot of people who are on the 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 pro renewable energy uh side don't like nuclear power and i wanted to get into why they don't because it's not like what it sounds like it's not like people will make nuclear weapons out of nuclear uh, nuclear plants you know uh, like producing electricity but yeah it's like it's really interesting and then, like there's a lot of uh, there's been a lot of interest in it like bill gates is investing a lot of money into nuclear nuclear uh, power and it like it produces clean and clean electricity and it's still controversial and i like this is me just getting into this topic but yeah it's uh it's a it's a short book and it's it's a fairly easy read i went through it in less than like five days or something you know so yeah so check it out a, a bright future and i'm suggesting i think two shows i i finished well, one show I finished a while ago, but I think there's a new season coming up. One of them is The Morning Show. It's on Apple TV. It's with uh, Jennifer Aniston, Steve Carell, uh, Steve Carell, Steve Carell, Steve Carell. I don't know what's his name. Carell, but I think. Yeah, it's basically, it's basically a, a, a show just about the like a media uh, morning show. You know, Steve Carell goes through like a very controversial, controversial uh moment and he's like the co-host with jennifer aniston and then it basically builds off that just builds off that whole that whole the media personality is just new york and whatever so it's like it's very interesting shows on apple tv that i finished like last summer or whatever and new season coming up soon i like that one and also there's another show called uh tehran 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 i don't know how to say that country or whatever but uh yeah tehran yeah, I always like to try to. I always try to say these things with, uh, you know, with the same like accent or vernacular that they use. I always try, always fail. So Tehran, it's a interesting show about the an Israeli spy that infiltrates uh, Tehran, and basically they're trying to obviously just whatever they're trying to do. Like it's 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 about espionage or whatever, and it's a very very interesting show. It's like it's such it's so action packed, uh, but yeah, basically, yeah, about espionage. I love I like like shows like that. So yeah, those are our suggestions for today. Hold on, I have one more because the 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 one that you gave um, just brought up a show that I watched a while ago. Uh, it's it's uh, it was a show by Sasha Baron Cohen who does Borat, Ali G, and whatever you know um uh i'm trying to find the name of of the show um uh, just a second it's also a spy show okay it's called the spy um it's you know like sasha baron cohen's is just a great actor and he just has you know the range like this 
TV show shows that he really has the range as an actor. It's not just, he doesn't just do the silly stuff, you know, although Borat and the stuff he does is silly, but still has like a deep, um, story in there. But, uh, like the show, The Spy, it's on Netflix. It's about, uh, it's a true story, actually. It's about like a, it, an Israeli spy who goes and, uh, and infiltrates the Syrian government in the 1960s and he becomes a big guy, you know? Yeah, it's, it's a great show. I remember watching it last year during reading week. Uh, not last year, 20, 2019 during, uh, reading week. And, uh, it was, it's amazing. So just check it out. Uh, the Spy by Sasha Baron Cohen's. Nice. So those are our suggestions for today. We'll be back next time. <laughs> uh, this was Beyond Culture. Goodbye and good night. Good night.